Well, good morning, Harmony. Good morning. I apologize I did not get around to shaking everybody's hands this morning. I am moving a little slow this morning. Um, but love you all. Glad to see you all here. Apparently, we need to get some boats or something because a little bit of rain keeps everybody away. Did you guys have a good week? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, before we jump right into the word, uh, just remember Easter's coming. So we got to. Okay. You still hear me? No? There we go. All right, so Easter's coming. We've got a lot of activities at Easter week, so let me just run you through the things that will be happening. On Wednesday, I believe it's the 17th, it's Easter Wednesday, we will be having the Lord's um, Supper, but we'll be doing a little bit different. We'll be trying to kind of read through the story of Jesus' Last Supper, and then we will be partaking in a meal that looks a little bit like what theirs would have. So we'll have roasted lamb, bitter herbs, unleavened bread, uh, just kind of to remind us of the things that Christ must have been thinking about and preparing himself for on that holy week where he knew he was going to make the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, that will happen at 6.30. Uh, the following day at 7 on Thursday, we will have a prayer meeting here at the church. This also is a time for us to remember Jesus' time in the garden where he prepared himself by going to the Lord and uh, just conversing with his father before the most difficult times that were going to come his way. We'll start here in the sanctuary. Uh, we'll pray a little bit as a group, and then we'll break off for each of us to go find our own place to kind of pray uh, and just thank the Lord for all the sacrifices he's made for us. And then Friday at 2.15, we'll have our Good Friday service led by Brother Joe. And uh, he, his goal will be to wrap up at 3 o'clock, which represents the time when the Scripture tells us that uh, Christ said it is finished and went home to be with the Lord. And then Saturday we'll have our family picnic. Uh, we've got the barbecue team uh, working. If you haven't come to our, our, uh, our, our Saturday picnics on Easter week, you need to come. Uh, the food is amazing. Uh, it's awesome. And not only that, but we have some good fun games and good people to hang around. We'll have bounce castles and obstacle courses for the kids. We'll have a bunch of yard games, horseshoes, all that good stuff. Uh, and then Sunday we will have sunrise service at 7 uh, 30. Uh, we'll have breakfast at 8.30. We'll have all the regular services then starting at 9.30 and 11. So, wide open week. Invite people. It's one of those times of year where the calendar actually points everybody to uh, church and what the Lord has done. So, invite folks. Uh, you know, 80% of people say if they were invited to church, they would at least attend once. 80%. So, make sure you're inviting folks and letting them know that we're out there. All right, let's jump in. We have been in a series in the book of 1 Corinthians. And in the book of 1 Corinthians, we've been talking about how what the book teaches us, what Paul's emphasis is, is that as believers in the gospel, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we must look at everything in the world through the lenses of the gospel. Now, this is not how many Christians today live. How many Christians today live is they go, look, I have some gaps, there's some things missing in my life, there's some things that I'm longing to improve on, and so I'm going to see if I can carve out a little space right here for Jesus to fit into. Now let's see if I can insert Jesus to cover my gaps. But what we really don't want is Him to do anything other than that. It's like we want a domesticated Jesus where we say, you stay here, I only need you for these things, you take care of those, I got the rest. That is not the Lord that you want to serve. And that is not the way that this book describes the relationship we are to have with God. What we encounter in our relationship with Jesus Christ is the almighty, awe-inspiring, awesome creator of the universe. And when we come to him, we are the ones that fall on our knees and go, I give you everything I have and all that I am. Amen. And from that moment forward, everything in our lives, everything is submissive to him and his knowledge that is in the gospel. That is what a real relationship looks like. And so Paul's writing to this church in Corinth that he helped plant, that he helped start, and he loves these people, but he's been away for a while. And they've been writing to him with these problems that are occurring in their church, and he's responding back with guidance on how to address them. And there's been three topics that we've kind of hit each week. We've kind of laid these out as the, the main takeaways from the series. And the first is, the church is united in the Word. And so when Paul looks at these Corinthians, the problem that he sees is, is that they are pulled in all kinds of directions, and they don't have one strong, unifying foundation 
that gives them the power they need. And what that should be is, is it should be the Word. They should be going to the Word of God. They should be abiding in that Word, living in that Word, and obeying that Word. And that Word brings them all together. And brothers and sisters, as Christians, this has to be our goal, is to be centered on this. Now, I'll be honest with you, we don't like that anymore. A lot of people pick their churches based off who's going to be entertaining, who's going to be inspiring, who has the best music, who's going to make me feel the best about myself. That is not what this is about. This is about us encountering the wisdom and the Word of God, letting it convict us, change us, and grow us, and us being subservient to the God who put this together. And there are going to be moments where it inspires us. And there's going to be moments where it makes us realize we are capable of far more than we have ever dreamed. And there are going to be moments where it reveals to us the darkness that's in our own hearts. And that we need to change it and correct it and be different. But this is what brings us together. The second thing that we're aware of is is that we are at war with the culture of the world. You cannot be a carnal Christian. You cannot be a worldly Christian. The kingdom and its goals and its purposes and what it values is completely and utterly different than what the world does. And so the Christian that tries to stand in both those places and go, I will be in the world and I will be with it, I will be hip, I will be cool, which those are not the cool words anymore. Apparently you don't say cool anymore, you say woke. I don't even know what that means. But you stay there and you're aware of the culture. And then with the other foot go, well, but I also want to be in the Word. You can't do both. You will be a divided individual that makes no impact in either of those places. And so Paul's writing to this church in Corinth because the culture around them continually is pulling them away from the cross, away from the gospel. And he's warning them, do not be friends with it. It will not do good things for you. And then the third thing, which is where we're going to live a little bit today, is that the church is to always be growing and serving. And so part of Paul's frustration with the church in Corinth is, he's like, guys, it's been years since I've seen you. And you are no more mature. You are no more capable. You are no more powerful today than you were the day that I left you. How is that possible? We as a church should always be growing, always progressing, always taking a step forward. I don't care if it's a baby step, but we should be able to look back at any point in time to who we were six months ago, three months ago, a year ago, five years ago, and go, I am closer to the Lord, I am more knowledgeable in the Word, and I am more powerful now than I ever have been. And if that's not happening, then we've got to look at the whole relationship that we're in. For many of us, we have made Christianity a game which the whole goal is to get saved. Which is why so many Christians don't progress. For so many Christians, the whole entire end game was to walk the aisle, say a prayer, and then we're good. I guess I'll sit here now and wait until I die. Which is why so many Christians are not living lives each and every day filled with passion and purpose and power. Because they think it's over. But the moment you became a Christian, the moment you submitted your life to Christ, that was not the end, that was the beginning. And that is what we have to get focused on. Now today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open with me. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you. And as always, if you don't have a Bible at your home, you take that Bible in the pew in front of you. That's our gift to you. You take it home, you read it, you get into that Word. Before we jump into 1 Corinthians 12, I want to kind of filter down for you so we we clarify what we're talking about today. Because a lot of people get confused when you talk about spiritual gifts, exactly what you're talking about. So let's kind of just start with a funnel here of, of how God has blessed humanity. And how each and every one of us has a few different gifts from Him. And let's clarify what spiritual gifts are not. So where we're going to start is all human beings... All human beings have some talent. Every single one of us. 
So whether you are a believer or a non-believer, when you look at humanity as a whole and you look at humanity as individuals, in each and every one of them you are going to see a reflection of God and you are going to find in those people talents and abilities that they have and have had since the moment they set foot on earth. Those are not spiritual gifts. They are a gift from God, but they are not spiritual gifts. Now, why do I say they're a gift from God? Because that's what Scripture teaches us. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. You and I are honored in that from the very beginning, we have been distinct from everything else. Distinct because you and I were made, not just by the spoken word, we were made by God as handcrafted masterpieces that reflected Him. And so in each and every one of us, whether we believe in Him or not, there is this common grace where you see people with beautiful abilities that reflect what their Father God is amaz- amazingly can do. And we see this every day. Right, why, why do you think when we're watching sports... And we see somebody make a one-handed catch that there's just something in us that makes us want to kind of like cheer. Or when we see somebody sing a song and just hit every note and go to places where you're like, I don't even know how they can do that, that it makes us feel joy. Or when we sit with somebody who's unbelievably funny and can tell stories and jokes that make you laugh so hard your stomach aches and you're crying. We enjoy all those things because they're reflections of the awesomeness of our God. And you and I have to realize that. Even though we live in a fallen world and we are a fallen people, there's still that reflection of Him in everything we see. It's why even in in the world we live in that is so, so dark at times, you can just find places that just take your breath away. I'll be honest with you, I don't even have to go far. I have a walk into work I do every day, and I kind of park far out, but there's this, this like park area I walk through, and it's just hills and trees, and it's just beautiful. And it's great, because there's this like 10-second portion I have of the walk, I can't see any buildings. It's just on a path, and I just see these beautiful trees, and I hear the birds chirping, and occasionally a deer runs by, and I'm like, God, you're amazing. You're absolutely awesome that you created all these things. All these colors, all these smells, all these sounds. You made all of those. And to be honest, it kind of gets me excited about heaven because here's what I realize. Everything we love here, we're experiencing the diminished version of it. So even the purest, most awesome things here in heaven will blow them out of the water. Amen. The visual beauty we have here is nothing compared to the visual beauty in heaven. Which is why when you see people get to heaven and have visions of it, right? Like John goes to heaven, comes back and writes it about And John, who is one of the most articulate authors and writers ever, when describing heaven is like, so it was kind of like an emerald rainbow that never stopped. And you're like, John, that doesn't make sense at all. Rainbows have a bunch of colors. They do stop. What are you talking about? And you sense that this man who can describe so many things goes, I don't know. Like, there are no words for what I saw. You just got to be there. It's just beyond that. And so that's what gets us excited about our experiences with God, is knowing that there is this great reflection there. And you and I, we are the greatest reflections of that. Humankind reflects the image of God. His breath is in it. And notice, some of you go, well, this is just Adam and Eve. He didn't shape every human being this way. True. But he does care about each one. Look at what happens in Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. So not only are Adam and Eve, our descendants, handcrafted masterpieces of God, but you are too. And every single human being you run into is. God doesn't have some cookie-cutter manufacturing process that just spits out humans. With every single person who has ever lived, Father God describes the way He shaped him as someone who is knitting together a piece. 
taking each thread and weaving it together with detail and intention and purpose and passion. Every human being is a masterpiece. And every human being, whether a believer or not, has talent that comes from God. And you and I are called, if we are believers, to use that talent for the kingdom. In Exodus 35.10, when they were building the, uh, the tabernacle, he said, let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. So he looked at the nation of Israel. He said, God has given us a plan. God has pointed to what he wants. You look at what talents you have and use them for the kingdom. Right? If you can sing a beautiful song, then sing a beautiful song to the Lord. If you can make people laugh, then make them laugh so they enjoy the goodness and humor that our Father has. If you're a great steward when it comes to finances and you know numbers and math, well, sit there and build up other people by helping them with those areas that they trouble in. And they see that you are sacrificing for them. Right? Whatever your talents are, use them for the kingdom. And so, spiritual gifts are not talents, but every single person has them. Let's cover the second thing that gifts aren't. They're not talents and they're not fruits. All Christians have the fruits of the Spirit. And so let me talk to you a little bit about this. So, talent is for every human being, no matter what religion, faith, where you stand, you as a reflection of God in that common grace have talent. For us that are believers, let me just break that down because it's always good to hear the gospel, right? For those of us who have come to Jesus Christ and realize that we have a God who loves us so much that He sacrificed Himself for us. Amen. That He died to pay the debt of our sins that if He had not done, the only option for us would have been death. And not just temporary physical death, but eternal spiritual death. For us that believe that, realize that sacrifice and have because of that sacrifice come to see God and realize He's awesome. Amen. He's beautiful. He's powerful. He's majestic and He's good. For those of us that have had enough knowledge and experience where those two meet with God to realize those truths and have said, because I know these things, I now give my life to God. Whole thing. Not a part of it. The whole thing. Those of us who have said that, the moment we give him everything we have and all that we are, two beautiful things happen. What God does is he makes us become born again by putting his spirit in us. Amen. This is huge. This is huge because before living in unison with God, you and I cannot defeat sin. We can at moments push it back. We can at moments hold it off. But ultimately, in the war, we will lose. That is guaranteed. But the moment that we're born again, the moment that the Spirit of the Almighty comes to live within us, now there is a whole new path. Now there is power, there is love, and there is self-discipline where there was once not. Now, where when you used to lose battles, because when you leaned back in your strength and found none, now you find there is some. And it doesn't come from you, it comes from Him. Now these fruits, most of us know these. If you don't, ask all the little kids in their classrooms, because they do. They'll sing them to you. In Galatians 5.22, it lists them. It says, but the fruits of the Spirit are these. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, what I want you to understand about this is, as a believer, all believers have all the fruits. Amen. These fruits do not present themselves because of your effort. This is just what happens when the Spirit comes and lives in you. I'll give you an example that we have at our house in our front yard. In our front yard, about two years ago, my wife planted rose bushes. And uh, she was kind of nervous because she's killed almost everything she's ever planted in her entire life. But she really wanted to plant something of our own, which I was a little nervous because we ripped up stuff that like the, the people already had there. And I'm like, that's alive. 
there's a good chance whatever we replace it with will be dead. And she's like, no, I want to do this, I want to do this. So we planted these rose bushes, and they're still alive. And in fact, we have one, the one right near the door is just gorgeous. It's been so cool over the last two weeks because every day, like, you pop up and more flowers are there. And now there's one bush, I swear, there's like 60, 70 the beautiful buds that have bloomed. It's this gorgeous rose bush. And, and we have four of them. And they all look good, except there's this one. There's this one in the back. Ain't so pretty. Now, to be fair to it, it's not really fully its fault. It's planted kind of in the worst soil spot where the soil's not so deep and it kind of hits rock quick. And it's also next to this big, huge bush that I think just sucks up all the nutrients and just feeds off of them. And then it's also in that one place where the sun hits the hardest. Like there's not a lot of shade. But you know what? It still has roses on it. And that's kind of how it works with you and me and the fruits of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is present in your life, in some way, shape, or form, these things will show up. Amen. Now look, I know you guys and you know me. We may not be the prettiest rose bush. We may not be the one where the love, joy, peace, patience are in 50 different blooms. We may not be the one that the kids are posing in front of to get their, their Facebook profile. But we should still be a rose bush. You should still be able to look at it and go, it's struggling, but I see the fruit. I see it's there. See, what God basically says about these fruits is this isn't about you. This is about Him. When He shows up and He is present, these things come. They're the baggage that comes with God. Where He is present, these things will happen. And so, it should be a wake-up call to some of us, because I think some of us look at that list and go like, well, that's not me. <laughs> if you're calling yourself a believer, it better be you a little bit. It better be you a little bit. The fruits of the Spirit come from the Spirit being in our lives. But be clear, these two are not spiritual gifts. Talents are for all people. Fruits are for all Christians. Look at John 15, 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus' point, you connected to me, these things happen. The only way they can't is if you're cut off. So the fruits will show themselves. What we're talking about, though, is gifts. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is a Lord except for the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. And so here's what he's saying about the spiritual gifts. He's basically summing it up this way. The spiritual gifts are Holy Spirit-given tools for kingdom building. So talents you're born with, the fruits we all have. The spiritual gifts come when God the Father reaches out to His new children in faith and He gives you a specific ability to be used for the glorification of God and to build the kingdom. That's what that's for. Nothing else. 
Now, I want you to pause and think. Did this shut off on me? Yes. Yeah? Where's the other? Can you hear me now? Yes. How cool is that? I mean, do you realize how awesome our God is? Amen. I mean, just, there are so many places where he could have just stopped and been done. Right? He could have come and just forgiven us of our sins, and that would have been enough for us to go, you're awesome. Thank you. But he didn't stop there. He forgives you of his sins and then he pours his righteousness upon you so that from that moment forward, when God the Father looks at you, you are not treated as you, you are treated as Christ. Amen. He could have stopped there. And that would have been awesome. You came in, you saved me, you wiped my debt, and then you make me royalty. Hey, that's a great deal. I'll take that any day of the week. Amen. But he doesn't stop. He goes, in addition to that, I'm going to put my spirit in you, which, by the way, is just going to create this abundant flow of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in you. All those things you were probably lacking. I'm going to put them in you, and they're going to grow, and they're going to spread, and they're going to change you. You could have stopped there. But he keeps going, and he goes, and in addition to that... I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you a gift that you can use to help me build my kingdom. I want you to come and help be the hero of the story. I want you to go from the one who was lost and drowning to now you're the one rescuing those people. Amen. You're now the one who is using what I have given you to share my love and to share my vision and to share my kingdom to wake others up. Amen. How amazing is that? How glorious is our God that he allows us that ability. And you know where this blows me away? Nobody trusts me with anything like this in their lives. Like when I think of the empowerment I'm given at my corporate job each day, it's nowhere near this. I have very small restrictions on the things that I can do without asking for sign-off from six other people. And yet God looks at you and goes, you're going to represent me. Wow. You know what? I'm going to give you some of my abilities. You own them. You use them. You go. Amen. And you kind of sometimes want to look around like, me? And in fact, if you read the Bible, that little discussion happens dozens of times. God shows up to Moses. You, you're going to go free my people. And Moses is like, me? Do you know me? It's like, do I know you? I built you, son. Amen. Get going. God shows up to Gideon and calls him mighty warrior. And Gideon goes, I am the weakest person in the weakest family, in the weakest nation in the world. And God goes, no, you're not. Amen. That may be how you see you, but I built you. You're a mighty warrior. Now go do my work. God has those moments with you and I daily. Where we have bought into what the world has to say about us. We have bought into what we have to say about ourselves. And God comes in and goes, you are my child. You are righteous. You are holy. And I have given you everything you need. Amen. Go do my work. We have been given Holy Spirit given tools to build the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, I'm not going to go into all these spirits, or these, these gifts, but I want you to look at them. And so I'm going to give you the main places to go look. Go look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Go look at Romans chapter 12. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. And look at 1 Peter chapter 4. So again, that's 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. You will find the spirits, or the gifts of the spirits, written out. Now, I'll be honest with you. You can go online and you can find dozens of tests to tell you your spiritual giftedness. And, and not to rag on anyone who's done that. But here's my experience with God. If God wants you to do something and he's equipped you to do it, he doesn't normally keep it secret. Amen. 
Normally, if you are in his presence, you are in his word, and you are serving and working in his kingdom, it will become apparent what your gifts are. Amen. And it won't just become apparent to you, it will become apparent to everyone around you. This is the almighty God. You can't hide him. If God is in your life, the love and the power and the self-control and the gifts in you, you are not capable to block people from seeing those. It's God. If he's working in you, it will show itself. And so I would caution you to be less worried about what your gifting is and more worried about are you putting yourself in a place to discover it. Are you in the word? Are you in his presence? Are you in his house? Are you serving him? Because normally the ones who don't know their gifts, it's because they're not doing any of those things. And let me just say this to you. A lot of us, we always want to ask God for really detailed, deep, deep instruction on complicated things when we're ignoring the basics. And it's just kind of not how he works. Like, if you just can't get through the fact of, like, you should love God and love people, that you shouldn't be a liar, you shouldn't be a thief, you shouldn't be cheating on your spouse, you shouldn't be a greedy, lustful person, right? If you just are going after black and white things clearly called out in the scripture and running against them all day long, don't be shocked when you're like, I don't know what job God wants me to take. I just feel like he's not talking to me. I just, I, you know, I've been praying and I'm not hearing anything. I don't think that's the case. I think what's happening is God is like, hey, kind of wrote some detailed instructions out for you. You can't handle the basics. So we're not going to go to the master level class of this until you just start handling the ABCs. Amen. And so brothers and sisters, do the basics. Get in the word. Talk to him. Be in his presence. Worship him. Love other people. Serve him and other people. Do those things. And it's amazing how all of a sudden you start hearing him. Amen. But this is a beauty. If you are a Christian, you have one of these gifts. That's not an if. It's not a maybe. You have one. Amen. You might have two. I wouldn't go so far as to say I've ever met anybody who has them all. If you think you have them all, come talk to me. We should talk about humility. <laughs> but you have one of these gifts from God. Now as we look at this, there's an important thing for us to remember. Spiritual gifts are Holy Spirit given, which means you and I should never be arrogant in them. And that's what Paul starts to talk about here. Look at what he's going to say to these guys. He's reminding them all these come from the same spirit. So he's saying, guys, it's kind of dumb for you to be like, my gift's better than yours. He's like, all the gifts go together to do the same thing. You can't really rack and stack them against each other. They're there to be together to accomplish something. Amen. And so look at what he says. He says, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, it's not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would, or I'm sorry, if the whole uh, body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but only one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body that we deem less honorable are those that we bestow more abundant honor on, and our less presentable members become more presentable. What's he saying? He's saying, guys, all of us come together. If everybody in this church had the gift of public speaking and teaching, we'd be in trouble. Because there'd be 60 of us on stage speaking right now and nobody listening. Which would be edifying to nobody. There'd just be a lot of talk and no action. 
The body works when all the pieces come together. Amen. And what he says is, in fact, often those pieces you forget about, those things you ignore, it's only because they're doing their job well. I can tell you this. I have not thought in... Thir I'm 35. Uh, for 32 years of my life, I never thought about my L4, L5 disc in my spine. Never thought about it. Didn't care about it. Barely acknowledged it was there. Never thanked it for doing its job well. Never really cared that it existed. I can tell you for the last three years, and especially over the last two weeks, I have been cognizant of it almost every second of the day. Because without that little disc doing its job, I have felt pain almost every second that I have been awake. Because this one little thing wasn't doing what it was made to do. Have any of you ever stubbed your pinky toe and then just been agonizing pain all week long? <laughs> it's a pinky toe. How important can it be? Very important. Have you ever had your eye not work? Like it gets infected or swollen and you can't see and you're just, you're useless. That's Paul's point. You and I are dumb in that we look around sometimes and we want to rank these gifts and go, oh, I'm more talented than everybody else. Look at me. And God's like, this is not about you. This is about my kingdom. And the only way it works is when all of them come together in one spirit, in one mind, with one goal, and with one purpose. Amen. Only when that happens does the awesome happen. And so he reminds us, you didn't do anything for these gifts. You bragging about your gifts is like bragging about your hair color. It's about bragging about how tall you are. You didn't pick it. That's not about you. It was decided by God and given to you. And so we acknowledge that and then we realize it's a tool. What are tools for? To be used to do work. I don't know why the modern church thinks what you're doing right now is the work of the church. I'll be honest with you, one of my biggest pet peeves when I was a youth pastor is everybody always wanted to go on a retreat. And I'm like, what are we retreating from? You play PlayStation 20 hours a week, you go to high school, play sports, you have your parents give you all the food and shelter you need, you never talk to anybody about Christ, you don't know what persecution is, but I need a retreat. I gotta recharge. From what? What are you recharging from? Retreating comes from a force that has been actively at war on the front lines and is exhausted and bloody and injured and out of all resources. Those people retreat to regroup to go back to war. You've done nothing, want to retreat to do even less so that you can then go back, recharge to do nothing. No! Wake up, people! God has given you these tools to do work. Amen. Work. And the beauty of his tools, they're not cheap. Right? This isn't what you picked up secondhand from some guy who got it at a pawn shop and it's all chipped and the handle's duct taped together. No, this is a fantastic, manufactured, perfect tool for the job that you're doing. It's awesome. And it's given for what purpose? To build the kingdom. Amen. Brothers and sisters, just raise of hands. How many of you guys do a job where you literally do the same work every day? I, I can tell you I spent last week on a PowerPoint presentation that we made 12 versions of. And we talked about it for an hour and then it was done. I don't really understand why they pay me to do that. It's worthless. And what I hate is, I'll probably make a very similar one to it next week. And a very similar one to that one the following week. Luckily, in five weeks, they'll forget the original one and I'll just use that one again. And they'll be like, this is awesome. But how many of us do tasks that just, we do them and then they're gone? 
If you have kids, you totally understand what I'm talking about when you imagine laundry. I have learned with three children, there is no such thing as the laundry is done. There is no the laundry is done. The laundry is always in some phase of being done. Hopefully. You get a chance with him to build things that stand forever. You get a chance to do things with him where you build something and for the rest of eternity, you will look at it and it will stand. It will bear the storms. It will bear the attacks. It will stand against anything the world can throw at it. And you will be able to say, I, through the power of God, did that. How awesome. How awesome. Brothers and sisters, your God has given you an amazing opportunity. He has poured down upon you in abundance. And if you don't believe that right now, if you, you hear that word and you go like, you don't know my life if you think abundance describes me. It's not, it's not because he's a liar. It's because you don't know where to look. If you're looking at your life and don't see abundance, it's because you're looking at the world and you're not looking at the kingdom. You do not see the abundance of God in your bank account. You don't see it in the clothes in the closet or the car in the driveway or the house that you go into. You don't see it in Instagram follows or likes or social media friends. You see it here. And so if you're looking at all those things, that's why you don't feel like he's giving you abundance. It's only when you start looking up at him and looking in at what he's given you that you realize you have more than you could have ever dreamt of. And so my prayer for you is simple. You have talents that are God-given. You have fruits that are God-given. You have gifts that are God-given. Sum all that up. You're a dangerous person. You are a dangerous person for the culture of this world that wants to point people to sin. You are a dangerous person when it comes towards evil wanting to be in your life. You are a dangerous person for the darkness that is trying to engulf everyone we know. So be bold. Be powerful. Be strong. And walk out those doors and go build the kingdom. Don't wait till next Sunday. I guarantee you, every day this week, you will run into people who need to hear the word. Share it. Live it. Do the work he's asked you to do. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and we're just so thankful for your gifts. We're thankful, Lord, for your son Jesus, who came and died for our sins, who has offered us forgiveness of our darkest deeds, who has poured his righteousness upon us so that we are treated like the royalty of heaven. Father, we thank you for the talents that each and every one of us have, those special things that you've made us good at from our birth that we can use to bless this world. We thank you for the fruits, Lord, that keep us strong, that keep us centered, and that give us all the resources we need to keep moving forward. And we thank you for the gifts, Lord unique gifts that are given by you to do your work. Amen. Father, I pray that this is a productive week. I pray this is a week where every single night we can lay our heads down and before we go to sleep we can look at you, Father, and we can honestly say, Father, today I served you. Father, today I helped build your kingdom. Thank you for the honor of getting to be your child, and thank you for the honor of getting to be your servant. In the wonderful and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I ask for Brother Joe to come forward with me. As Maria closes us in song, me and him will be down at the front. If there's anything in your life that's happening that you just would feel good to know somebody else is praying for that thing, feel free to come forward. And as always, if you don't feel comfortable coming up during service, please seek us out after. We are always here to talk with you, to pray with you, and to help you on your journey. Let's all stand.
is a peace I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail There's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome And the grave is overwhelmed The victory is won He is risen from the dead And I will rise When He calls my name No more sorrow No more pain I will rise On eagle's wings Before my God Fall on my knees And rise I will rise There's a day that's drawing darkness breaks to light and the shadows disappear and my faith shall be my eyes Jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed the victory Folks, it's always a blessing to worship with you. I hope you come back next week. We get into chapter 13, the chapter of love, which I just love these last two because if you've been here the whole series, 
Paul has hit us with some gut punches throughout the first 11 chapters of Corinthians. And he gets to 12 and 13, and you're like, okay, now I'm feeling a little bit better. And 13 is an awesome chapter about the power of God's love. Um, remember, we've got Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. Uh, we have both English and Spanish class. At 6.15, we've got choir. You do not have to have a great voice to sing. If you're just willing to put it out there and sing loudly and look at the words and sing the right words, then you're good. You do those things. She would even let me be in the choir, which that's dangerous. I don't even know why she would do that. But uh, we want to encourage you to come back, get into the small groups, get into the, the word with the Lord, talk to people, ask your questions. That's how you grow. I want to remind you of a few things. One, you are a child of God that has been given a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And you've been given a mission. That's to go out and to make disciples that love God, love people, and follow Jesus. So have a great and productive week. We love you guys. May God go with you. Amen.